Hello, friends. It's October 3rd, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast. Each day we read portions from the Old and New Testaments, with stops also in the books of Psalms and Proverbs. We are making our way through all 66 books of the Bible in a year. It is a noble and worthwhile goal. By reading from the One Year Bible or using the One Year Bible format, which can be found on the theoneyearbibleonline.com, it's a very feasible goal. You may have heard about SMART goals, with the word SMART being an acrostic for, for goals that are SMART, that is, having S, specific goals, M, measurable goals, A, achievable goals, R, relevant goals, and T, for time-bound goals. The One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast assures you that reading through the Bible is a smart goal. We have a specific goal. We read a short portion and spend a short while explaining it as it relates to the central theme, character, and plot of the Bible. It is a measurable goal. You can see how much progress you have made as we set the pace for daily reading, and it is an achievable goal, as many of us have made this an annual trek and benefited from it. It is a relevant goal. As Jesus said, it's eternally relevant. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but his word will never pass away. And it is time-bound. The goal can be accomplished in only 365 days, and the podcast averages about a half hour a day. My name is David McAdam, and I am pleased to encourage you towards this goal and serve as your host. Today we start the 24th book of the Old Testament, the book of Jeremiah the prophet, and we will be finishing up the 11th book of the New Testament, the joy book, Paul's letter to the Philippians. The book of Jeremiah contains both the historical narrative and prophecies relating to the impending judgment that Judah would experience with the Babylonian invasion and the people being taken away captive from Jerusalem into Babylon. In the midst of the warnings of that 70 years of captivity and the sad events of Judah's destruction, there is a promise of a new covenant in the future and the hope that God would rescue them from their captivity and establish them once again as his people. So let's get started with Jeremiah chapter 1, and I will be reading from the English Standard Version. Jeremiah chapter 1. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, and until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the captivity of Jerusalem in the fifth month. The Call of Jeremiah Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms, to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see an almond branch. Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, 
for I am watching over my word to perform it. The word of the Lord came to me a second time, saying, What do you see? And I said, I see a boiling pot facing away from the north. Then the Lord said to me, Out of the north disaster shall be let loose upon all the inhabitants of the land. For behold, I am calling all the tribes of the kingdoms of the north, declares the Lord, and they shall come, and every one shall set his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem, against all its walls all around, and against all the cities of Judah. And I will declare my judgments against them for all their evil in forsaking me. They have made offerings to other gods and worshipped the works of their own hands. But you, dress yourself for work. Arise and say to them everything that I command you. Do not be dismayed by them, lest I dismay you before them. And I, behold, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. Chapter 2. Israel Forsakes the Lord The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem, Thus says the Lord, I remember the devotion of your youth, your love as a bride, how you followed me in the wilderness, in a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord, the firstfruits of his harvest. All who ate of it incurred guilt, disaster came upon them, declares the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the clans of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, What wrong did your fathers find in me, that they went far from me, and went after worthlessness, and became worthless? They did not say, Where is the Lord who brought us up from the land of Egypt, who led us in the wilderness, in a land of deserts and pits, in a land of drought and deep darkness, in a land that none passes through, where no man dwells? And I brought you into a plentiful land to enjoy its fruits and its good things. But when you came in, you defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. The priests did not say, Where is the Lord? Those who handle the law did not know me. The shepherds transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and went after things that do not profit. Therefore I still contend with you, declares the Lord, and with your children's children I will contend. For cross to the coasts of Cyprus and see, or send to Gadar and examine with care. See if there has been such a thing. Has a nation changed its gods even though they are no gods? but my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked, be utterly desolate, declares the Lord, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fount of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Is Israel a slave? Is he a home-born servant? Why then has he become a prey? The lions have roared against him, they have roared loudly. They have made his land a waste. His cities are in ruins without inhabitant. Moreover, the men of Memphis and Tapanes have shaved the crown of your head. Have you not brought this upon yourself by forsaking the Lord your God when he led you in the way? And now what do you gain by going to Egypt to drink the waters of the Nile? Or what do you gain by going to Assyria to drink the waters of the Euphrates? Your evil will chastise you, and your apostasy will reprove you. 
know and see that it is evil and bitter for you to forsake the Lord your God. The fear of me is not in you, declares the Lord God of hosts. For long ago I broke your yoke and burst your bonds, but you said, I will not serve. Yes, on every hill and under every green tree you bowed down like a whore. Yet I planted you a choice vine, holy of pure seed. How then have you turned degenerate and become a wild vine? Though you wash yourself with lye and use much soap, the stain of your guilt is still before me, declares the Lord. How can you say, I am not unclean? I have not gone after the Baals. Look at your way in the valley. Know what you have done. A restless young camel running here and there. A wild donkey, used to the wilderness, in her heat sniffing the wind. Who can restrain her lust? None who seek her need weary themselves. In her month they will find her. Keep your feet from going unshod and your throat from thirst. But you said, It is hopeless, for I have loved foreigners, and after them I will go. As a thief is shamed when caught, so the house of Israel shall be shamed. They, their kings, their officials, their priests, and their prophets, who say to a tree, You are my father, and to a stone, You gave me birth. For they have turned their back to me, and not their face. But in the time of their trouble they say, Arise and save us. But where are your gods that you made for yourself? Let them arise, if they can save you, in your time of trouble. For as many as your cities are your gods, O Judah. Why do you contend with me? You have all transgressed against me, declares the Lord. In vain have I struck your children. They took no correction. Your own sword devoured your prophets like a ravening lion. And this concludes our reading from today's portion from the Old Testament, the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, was a priest who prophesied during the last forty years of the southern kingdom of Judah's existence, spanning the reign of at least five kings, from the latter half of Josiah's reign through to King Zedekiah and the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem in 587 B.C. He prophesied and witnessed Judah's tragic fall to the Babylonians. During his lifetime, the kingdoms of Babylon, Egypt, and Assyria were battling for world supremacy. All three empires were used as God's instruments of chastisement upon his people, both Israel and Judah, because they had violated their covenant commitment to him and no longer heeded his word. Jeremiah is sometimes referred to as the weeping prophet. In his lifetime, he witnessed a mini-revival, a reformation that took place under the reign of King Josiah when the scroll, most likely Deuteronomy, was discovered, and many godly values, previously lost, were recovered. But he also witnessed the progressive spiritual declension that took place after Josiah was killed. Jeremiah was deeply troubled by Judah's unfaithfulness and was not ashamed to call for repentance with tears. Perhaps this prophetic passion that was a signature of Jeremiah's ministry is why he is brought to mind when people tried to comprehend the ministry of Jesus Christ more than 600 years later. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, we read, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Jeremiah emphasizes four main themes in his prophecies. Number one, the nation had forsaken God and broken the covenant made at Sinai. Number two, the leadership of Judah had failed. 
The prophets prophesied falsehoods out of their own imaginations. The shepherds of Judah had forsaken their flocks, and the priests were profane. Number three, there was only one hope for survival. Surrender to the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar. The leaders of Judah were too self-deceived in their pride to obey Jeremiah's message, despite many clear warnings. God could no longer put up with Judah's rebellion and would bring about the prophesied 70-year captivity. Number four, there would be a return to the promised land and a restoration of the nation after the 70-year captivity. God has a new covenant and the rule of the messianic king in view when he outlines his hope and future for the nation. Here is an outline for the book of Jeremiah. Chapters 1 through 25 concern the people and the city. Chapters 26 through 45 concern the character and course of Jeremiah's ministry. Chapters 46 through 51 concern the surrounding nations. And chapter 52 gives us the historic details concerning the fall of Jerusalem. After 20 years of ministry, the Lord tells Jeremiah to collect all the words that God had given him from his first days and write them in a scroll. In the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, the king of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Take a scroll and write on it all the words which I have spoken to you concerning Israel and concerning Judah and concerning all the nations from the day I first spoke to you from the days of Josiah even to this day. Jeremiah chapter 36 verses 1 and 2. Jeremiah dictated the words to a scribe named Baruch, who was commanded to read all these words to the people of Judah when they gathered for one of their fasting days, in hope that the people would repent and turn to the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 36 verses 4 through 8. Baruch also compiled facts about Jeremiah's life. This fact explains why the scroll of Jeremiah reads like an anthology revealing truth about both the man and the message. Jeremiah is a prophet of God's justice and grace. He has a message for God's covenant people and for the nations. We find out important information about Jeremiah's calling and the nature of Jeremiah's ministry in the first chapter. Notice his prenatal calling, a great reminder of God's perspective on the preciousness of the life of the unborn in the womb. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Alas, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, because I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a youth, because everywhere I send you, you shall go, and all that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4-10 through 10. In these words we have a foreshadowing of the message of the cross of Christ. The cross brings judgment upon all that is condemnable in Adam, overthrowing the reign of sin with the mighty death blow of God's final verdict on the flesh. The old man is crucified, that is, plucked up, broken down, and destroyed. Through our faith union with Christ, we are crucified with Christ, and our flesh is perfectly judged by God's righteousness. By virtue of our faith union, we become alive in Him and are raised in Him. He builds us up as those who are planted in Him. The believer can say, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, 
but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Notice how Jeremiah made excuses as he tried to dodge God's calling on his life. He was mindful of his own inadequacies, his youth, his lack of skill and personal experience. Yet it is our inadequacy that qualifies us to be used of God, so that the excellency of the power might be of Him and not of us. What excuses are you making? Are you dodging the call of God on your life? Jeremiah was a youth who was being called to be a prophet to the nations. Yet God told him, Do not be afraid of them. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 8, God would give Jeremiah a message of judgment and grace. He has done the same for us. The gospel is a message that confronts human pride, exposes sin, warns of the inevitable fourfold judgment that all flesh is corrupted with sin and will be plucked up, the wages of sin is death, broken down, judged in the eyes of God's perfect holiness and justice, destroyed in the fire of God's righteous wrath, and overthrown, forgotten, rendered useless, lost, and forever separated from fellowship in the oblivion of hell. But the same God who has demonstrated His great wrath against sin at the cross has also demonstrated His great love and mercy, offering forgiveness and eternal life to those who trust Him. He will build and plant them in His new creation in Christ. The Lord gives Jeremiah a series of visions and then asks, What do you see? The first vision is that of an almond tree. The Lord uses a play on words to assure Jeremiah that He will bring to pass all that He calls Jeremiah to proclaim. The word for almond tree in Hebrew sounds like a word that means an alert watching. Jeremiah would have a difficult ministry with little tangible results as far as producing repentance in the hearts of the people. Yet the Lord would be wide awake and alert and would assuredly perform all that He has revealed and declared through His word given to His prophet. The second vision was of a boiling pot in chapter 1 verse 13. This was the warning of God's wrathful punishment coming upon Judah's idolatry, in verse 16, from the kingdoms of the north, the Babylonians. Judah turned to the Assyrians and the Egyptians rather than the Lord for their help, only to see them crippled by the Babylonian conquest. The Lord promises to preserve Jeremiah as he delivers these hard messages. Jeremiah chapter 2 describes the history of the house of Israel's apostasy, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. The Lord gives this scathing verdict on both the northern and southern kingdoms. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they have hewn for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 13. What are living waters? Living waters are waters that emerge from springs, ever fresh and ever flowing. What is water stored in a cistern? It is water that is collected, no longer fresh no longer flowing. Broken cisterns cannot retain the water they receive. What happens when we neglect communion with our spiritual life force in Christ? We build for ourselves substitutes. We end up with lifeless professions and false religion. We make for ourselves broken cisterns that can hold no water. The result is death. Judah turned to Egypt for help, yet the waters of Egypt's river Nile would fail them. Judah turned to Assyria for help, yet the water of Assyria's river Euphrates would fail them also. In vain they will try to remedy their plight. Verse 22 reminds us that there is nothing but the atoning blood of Christ that can remove the stain of our guilt and sin before God. Although you wash yourself with lye and use much soap, 
The stain of your iniquity is before me, declares the Lord. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, we read, For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Ultimately, the people of Judah would become captives to the powers of Babylon. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 37. From this place also you will go out with your hands on your head. For the Lord has rejected those in whom you trust, and you will not prosper with them. Now let's move on to our next stop in our Bible reading tour, the book of Philippians, and we will finish the last chapter, chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Yodia and entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women, who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment, and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory for ever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And this concludes our New Testament reading, and it concludes Paul's letter to the Philippians. We mistakenly think of the church at Philippi as a joyful church or a church that had no problems. Not so. They had problems like all churches. There were relational difficulties. Even seasoned missionaries, Yodia and Syntyche, who were fellow workers with the Apostle Paul, needed the help of their brothers and sisters to live in harmony with each other. Not only did the church in Philippi experience relational difficulties, 
but they were experiencing anxiety and losing their joy. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 informs us that the church in Philippi was one of the churches in Macedonia that was in deep poverty, and yet they were generous in support of the needs of the church in Jerusalem. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, we read, Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia, that in great ordeal of affliction their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability they gave of their own accord, begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints, and this not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. As a result of their great ordeal of affliction and financial hardship, they had lost their contentment in Christ. Paul directs them to focus on what they have in the gospel. True joy is not dependent upon what one has of material provisions, but who Christ is and the good news of what He has done and will do. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4-7 through 7. He teaches them to keep their focus on the truth as it is in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Then he reminds them to consider his own example in verse 9. The Apostle Paul was no stranger to hardship. He was not living in luxury. He was in a prison cell. He speaks in relationship to his ongoing financial difficulties when he says, He can do all things through him who strengthens him. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity in any and every circumstance I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Philippians chapter 4, verses 11-13 through 13. The Apostle is grateful for the sacrificial giving of the church at Philippi. Not only did they contribute to the needs of the church in Jerusalem, but also to the needs of Paul's itinerant ministry and his needs in prison. He gives them this word of assurance, that the God whom he has come to love and trust is faithful and my God will supply all your needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And now we go to the book of Psalms, Psalm 75, verses 1 through 10. The ESV titles this, God will judge with equity. Psalm 75. We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks, for your name is near. We recount your wondrous deeds. At the set time that I appoint, I will judge with equity. When the earth totters and all its inhabitants, it is I who keep steady its pillars. I say to the boastful, Do not boast, and to the wicked, Do not lift up your horn, Do not lift up your horn on high, Or speak with haughty neck. For not from the east or from the west, And not from the wilderness comes lifting up, But it is God who executes judgment, Putting down one and lifting up another. For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup with foaming wine, well mixed, and he pours out from it, 
and all the wicked of the earth shall drain it down to the dregs. But I will declare it forever. I will sing praises to the God of Jacob. All the horns of the wicked I will cut off, but the horns of the righteous shall be lifted up. Psalm 75 celebrates the victory of God over a proud enemy. No matter what the situation or how it may appear, God is king and at work for salvation. The psalmist calls to mind the fact that God is judge, in verse 7, knows all things and judges with equity, in verse 2. We are not to put our trust in men or the nations from the east or west, but in the Lord, who will exalt the righteous and cut off the boasting of the wicked. He will not leave sin unpunished. He takes the wrath due our sin upon himself on the cross. Those who do not believe die in their sins under God's wrath and thereby will experience its eternal fury in hell. But the penitent sinner finds refuge and can cleave to the altar of the cross and experience God's merciful forgiveness. But as for me, I will declare it forever. I will sing praises to the God of Jacob, and all the horns of the wicked he will cut off, but the horns of the righteous will be lifted up. Psalm 75, verses 9 and 10. And now for our final stop on our Bible reading tour today, we go to the book of Proverbs, chapter 24, verses 17 through 20. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and let not your heart be glad when he stumbles, lest the Lord see it and be displeased and turn away his anger from him. Fret not yourself because of evildoers, and be not envious of the wicked, for the evil man has no future. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. We must remember when our enemy falls that we were all once enemies of God ourselves. Delight in God's mercy and trust Him to deal with your adversaries. Let's take what we've learned before the Lord in prayer. Father, we acknowledge that we need You. You are our only Savior, our Counselor, our Deliverer, and our Guide. We thank You for giving us Your Word, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank You that He, like all You have spoken, is unfailing. You are watchful and attentive to see that all that you have promised will come to pass. We rest in your ability to perform all your promises in Christ Jesus. May we not make excuses and shirk our calling. Help us to be faithful witnesses and make disciples of all nations. May we never lose our joy because of difficult circumstances. Let us rejoice in the Lord, knowing that in Him we not only have the victory, but we have all things. Thank you for fresh confidence to face this day, knowing that you will supply our every need in Christ Jesus. Strengthen us. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Let's take these lessons that we've learned to heart and meditate upon them. God willing, we'll be with you tomorrow and continue our journey in the book of Jeremiah and start the next book, the 12th book of the New Testament, the book of Colossians. If you have any questions or comments or you'd like to contact us, you can write us at podcast at newlife.org. And if you would like to receive a daily email with a written copy of our commentary on each day's reading, you can go to our website, newlife.org, and subscribe to that free service. May God bless you this day with an awareness of His presence and fullness of joy. Shalom. Shalom.